0: Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. It's Tuesday the 26th of November. Coming up, rise in victim-based crime in Kent. The Chief
1: Constable is deploying officers in order to tackle some of the problems which you're seeing in this report, whether that is through violent crime, whether that is through burglary uh, and through domestic abuse.
0: Taxi drivers welcome Uber's ban.
2: It's a simple case of public safety. I'm licensed by Medway Council for public safety reasons. Same as Medway licensed operators are, all accountable, and it's all about public
3: safety.
0: And footballer reveals how winning reality TV show affected his life.
3: It was all good for me in Italy, but I think deep down I wanted to play football in England. So it was difficult coming
0: back. Kent Online News. First today, two men have been taken to hospital after being stabbed within hours of each other in separate parts of Kent. Lucy's got the details. One victim in his 20s was pulled from his car and attacked near Gillespie's pub in Folkestone last night. Police have taped off part of Harbour Street with reports of bloodstains on the pavement. Another man was found injured outside Asda in Ashford just before half six this morning. Officers and forensic teams are at the scene on Kimberley Way near the designer outlet. Elsewhere, another man's been arrested in connection with the deaths of 39 Vietnamese nationals who were found in a lorry trailer near the Dartford Crossing last month. The 36-year-old from Perfleet in Essex has been questioned on suspicion of manslaughter and other charges. Yesterday, 25-year-old lorry driver Morris Robinson from County Armagh admitted plotting to assist illegal immigration. Kent Police and Crime Commissioner says it's disappointing to see a rise in the number of victim-based offences in the county officers dealt with 160,000 cases in the year to June that's 8,000 more than during the previous 12 months there have been particular increases in things like stalking and harassment drug and weapon possession and violence without injury Matthew Scott's been speaking about the figures at a crime panel meeting
1: Recorded crime uh, in the county uh, has risen uh, there's no uh, no escaping from that the rise that we've seen uh, I'm told uh, is in line with other forces nearby, so we do have a, a, a regional trend. Uh, but actually, I think what we need to be talking about, one, what sits behind that, and two, what is actually being done about it, which I think is the uh, thing that people most want to hear. So behind that is we've, we've obviously had, as I've mentioned in a few occasions before, the accuracy with which Kent records its uh, crime has changed, and that added a lot of crimes uh, to the books. We are now in a period of comparison where that should no longer be affecting Uh, the uh, output, Uh, so therefore we are uh, in a position where we can start to compare like for like based on Kent's uh, rating on crime data integrity. Uh, There are other issues such as the uh, increase in the awareness of offences which have been created in recent years. So for example we've seen an increase in modern day slavery and human trafficking because in the last four years it's it's risen uh, up the uh, agenda. Uh, In addition to that, uh, domestic abuse continues to uh, drive a lot of that increase in crime uh, as well. Uh, So there are things like different types of uh, crime which are uh, influencing lot, and the accuracy uh, with which they uh, are reporting it. But instead, of, um, but instead of that, we do have, as the panel will know, uh, we have a significant uplift in resources going into policing in order to tackle this problem, because uh, we're not just going to look at the statistics, explain them away, uh, and move on, as I quite rightly say. So um, as the panel will know, of the council tax precept rises that the panel has supported both uh, in, in last year and also uh, in this The Chief Constable is deploying officers in order to tackle some of the problems which you're seeing in this report, whether that is through violent crime, whether that is through burglary, uh, and through domestic abuse. Uh, So those resources have been deployed into, um, as we know, town centre policing, uh, where they will look at things like violence against the person, uh, they will look at uh, antisocial behaviour, and they will be looking at other things in in collaboration with businesses, such as shoplifting and assaults on members of staff. Uh, They have been put into the Chief Constable's Crime Squad, which is uh, taking proactive, um, uh, proactive operations uh, in order to take burglars uh, and violent criminals uh, off of our streets. As we saw at the last panel meeting, I presented some statistics around violent crime and the number of arrests which are being uh, made in that area. So I think, yes, the statistics are disappointing, because I think they show that we have still got some issues in Kent and in the South East which need to be addressed, but I hold the Chief Constable to account uh, for those uh, statistics alongside all of the other performance measures as well uh, and he is responding by putting extra resources into tackling those issues. The second part of this is around crime outcomes and this is a uh, again uh, not something I'm going to sit here and try to explain away or excuse. There are some challenges within crime outcomes which on the face of things uh, residents will be very concerned about particularly the number of people who are being charged with a particular offence. Uh, And I think what the paper uh, shows is some real challenges in in that respect. Uh, For example, the charge rate um, being half the national average, Um, actually masks the fact that whilst the number of charges fell last year, which is disappointing to see, the number of people who uh, were not supporting a prosecution increased by three times that number, which again impacts upon uh, some of those statistics. So whereas 3,600 fewer people were charged last year, uh, 9,000 victims of crime did not support a prosecution, so that impacts upon the charging statistics. Uh, And we also see in amongst there the use of different mechanisms by which we uh, maybe prevent criminalisation, of children uh, and women by the use of cautions or community orders or other uh, disposals. So the crime <coughs> outcomes, uh, again, it's, it, it's, a very difficult, um, it's a very difficult position. It's one that I do want to see uh, the, the numbers for at the end of the year to make sure that those people who we expect to be going to prison, violent criminals and burglars uh, and drug dealers uh, and people committing offences on the streets of Kent are going to prison. Um, and at the same time, those, uh, those will be reflected in the, uh, the outcome statistics. There are, it does also show that we do have wider problems within our criminal justice system. Um, police are, of course, only one of the prosecuting uh, agencies. It does rely on the Crown Prosecution Service uh, in order to support prosecutions in, in many circumstances. Uh, and we know that there have been issues with the quality of case files submitted by the police, Uh, the number of early guilty pleas which are not being secured, uh, but also other things such as the number of trials which are collapsing due to uh, a number of different reasons, such as people not turning up uh, or um, documents not being presented in the court. That is a wider criminal justice uh, aspect to it. So um, I want to give the panel the assurance that whilst I am disappointed to see uh, the crime statistics as they are, I feel that with the register recruitment and some of the things that we're doing through the Criminal Justice Board, through the Forces uh, Performance Committee, these aren't just being explained away. There is tangible action going into making sure that these issues uh, are being addressed. Kent Online reports.
0: It's been revealed a Kent acrobat who fell during a show at Winter Wonderland in London's Hyde Park at the weekend suffered a fractured spine. Jackie Louise Armstrong, who grew up on Romney Marsh, fell 12 feet while performing on Sunday. A Spokesman for Zippo Circus has now confirmed she suffered a fracture to the base of her back and is recovering in hospital after having surgery. An Ashford man who drove at up to 120 miles per hour while trying to get away from police has been jailed for 15 months. 51 One-year-old William Harris was drunk when he failed to stop for officers on the A229 Thanet Way. He then undertook several cars, went over a traffic island and threw red lights. A judge at Canterbury Crown Court said it was a miracle no-one was killed or seriously injured. The cinema at Blue Water is going to keep showing a movie about gangs, despite concerns over violence. View have stopped screening Blue Story after reports of 25 separate incidents since the film's release on Friday. But Showcase has gone back on their decision to ban it, saying they'll have extra security instead. Now, taxi drivers in parts of Kent have welcomed news Uber has been stripped of its London licence for the second time in just over two years. We told you yesterday how Transport for London have said the taxi app was not fit and proper and puts passenger safety at risk. Well, the licence also covers Medway, Gravesend, Dartford and Canterbury, where other drivers have complained about losing business because of it. Louise has been chatting to Medway councillor Dan MacDonald and Nigel Jackson from the Medway licence Taxes Association on KMTV.
2: It's actually very positive news. Um, Uber are licensed in London, not Medway. Um, and obviously, the, the decision in London does affect Medway because they're not licensed to operate in Medway. Simple as that.
0: And, Dan, do you agree? Yeah,
4: I, I totally agree. I think this was a right decision by the TFL today. I think it's long overdue. Um, You know, when I put the motion through, we had many threats. I had many threats from people telling me that I was wrong what I was doing. We had uh, threats and, uh, and messages to my home. Um, And what I was clearly saying was about people's safety. And here we are in London, over 14,000 incidents Mm. of fake drivers in cars. I mean, what else could we say, really?
0: And uh, Uber are saying that they will appeal this and they dispute this decision from TfL. In your view, what are some of the issues that Uber did uh, draw
4: up? I I think Uber can dispute. They've got a really good legal team. They've got plenty of money. But at the end of the day, they've got faceless drivers. You know, what I kept telling residents was, is that if you want to put your son or daughter or your family member in the back of an Uber vehicle, you do not, you do not know who that driver is. With a licensed cab in Medway or across Kent, you know they are registered with the council. We know who are driving your vehicle. You don't with Uber. It isn't good enough.
0: And you touched upon it just there. Um, but what could it mean for uh, taxi drivers in Medway, and I suppose Dartford as well?
2: Well, it obviously means that the, the, ban, the ban will be positive. Um, because Uber have had an opportunity to get licensed in Medway Towns. They have refused. They have not played by the rules. Um, There's a simple case of public safety. I'm, I'm licensed by Medway Council for public safety reasons and accountable to Medway Council for that reason. Same as Medway licensed operators are, all accountable, and it's all about public safety. Um, Transport for London, 40 miles away. If a driver works in Medway Towns, there is no recognition of that driver. He's avoid of all licensing control and enforcement checks. Um, it's just simply not good enough.
0: Yeah. And one thing that lots of people do bring up is is price, and they often cite uh, how cheap Uber potentially is, and how as a user that might be an appeal. Is that something that well, you do take into If
2: I'd like to just bring up the point that if you were to check out the Uber app, for example, and compare that to a price of a Medway licensed taxi, um, there's there's apps available out there which will give you a transparent price. There is not a great deal of difference in price between the hours of six o'clock in the morning until midnight. So, in that respect, the price argument is is pretty negative.
4: Yeah. And can I just say, you can't put a price on safety. You know, you know, we've really got to focus on the safety element here. You know, you can't put a price on that. If you know that you're going to get into a safe vehicle that that's roadworthy and you've got a fit and proper taxi organisation driving you around, can't put a price on that.
0: Kent Online reports. There are calls for a high-tech air and noise barrier to be installed on the Dartford crossing to protect people living nearby from pollution. Data gathered from Brent Way shows it records levels of pollution that are above the government's recommendation, with people living there complaining about dust and dirt. They say existing fencing is not fit for purpose and needs to be replaced. Highways England say they're committed to protecting the environment and are looking at ways of improving air quality and reducing noise. A terminally ill woman has been able to marry her partner of 40 years after staff at a Kent hospital helped organise a wedding in just one day. The team at the QEQM in Margate transformed a side room into a venue for the ceremony using fairy lights, sheets and balloons. Pauline Manning died from cancer just over a week after tying the knot. but Her husband, Alan, has thanked nurses and paramedics for helping her realise her dream. And it's been confirmed awards in part of Kent which recognise apprentices and the role they play in the work place, are going to be back for a second time in 2020. They also celebrate the schemes on offer in Ashford, Folkestone, Hythe, Canterbury, Swale, Thanet and Dover. Nominations for the East Kent Apprenticeship Awards close on December the 20th. They'll be handed out at a ceremony in February. Kent Online Sport. Almost 10 years after winning a TV reality show, a Kent footballer has revealed the impact it had on his life. Ben Greenhalgh from Orpington was just 17 when he got a six-month contract at Inter Milan. He ended up spending almost two years in Italy, but admits it didn't have the effect on his career he'd hoped for. He's been telling his story on the KM Football podcast.
3: I say to everyone, had the show been in England, might have been a little bit more lucky because I was out there in the end for nearly two years. And everyone sort of, they they forget about you because, let's be honest, I wasn't playing for Inter Milan first team, so no one's going to be seeing that. Um, And then when I went on loan to Como in Serie C, no one follows Italian football in England again. So it was all good for me in Italy, but I think deep down I wanted to play football in England. So it was difficult coming back. Um, They were going to do the show again with Man City, and I feel like had they done the show with Man City and someone had gone and won for Man City, I think people would would keep an eye on it a lot more. And we we know a lot more that's going on with Man City's reserves and Man City's uh, under 18. So I think you'd be able to see it a little bit more. But it's, it's definitely changed my life. I think more for an experience... Because let's be honest, I was was lucky enough to see all of them great players play under Jose Mourinho. It's it's almost surreal saying it now. So at the time, I was I was stuck on it. I didn't even think about it. If I walked past Mourinho in the corridor, I wouldn't think anything of it. But when I look back at it now, you you just realise how surreal that whole moment was. Yeah, because I saw a picture. I think you shaking hands with him on the training ground, and then you WhatsApp pictures. Patrick Vieira's tracking yeah. you on the training ground. You just sort of look at those pictures, and think, "Blimey, you know." Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. As I was, I'm actually, I surprised myself um, thinking about it now. Because if I was to walk past Vieira now, suddenly I'd be like a little bit starstruck. And for some reason, I don't know what it was. Maybe I was just in the zone and I just wanted to prove everyone and prove myself. I the only one time I got starstruck was the first time I trained with the first team. Got the ball out on the left. Carrazma's just passed the ball to me. I've then got my head up, looked to run at the right back, and I've looked up and I've seen Lucio, one of the quickest, <laughs> quickest Brazilian defenders in football. And I remember my legs just went to jelly and just completely kicked it off the pitch. And I think that was the only time I was really starstruck. I was lucky enough to the next day go and train with them again, and just again, like I said, surprised myself. I felt normal, felt natural. Ended up nutmegging Vieira, so it was it was an unbelievable experience. But it was yeah, it was it was, it was good surprising that as 17 year olds didn't get starstruck didn't want to almost just pictures of this stuff like this i think we didn't have twitter and things like that at the time so i wasn't constantly on social network saying about what happened here what happened there i was just living in italy head down focused on everything and and felt so normal the stories now feel completely out of the blue or or something really strange but um i was yeah like i said it was it was it was a really good good time of life and um I think it was. It's something that I try and say to all my academies, academy boys now. Just sums up how a little bit of effort, um, if you've got the right mentality, things can go your way. Did Vieira get you back for nutmegging him? Uh, no, he, d- he didn't. To be fair, he didn't. Uh, I was a little bit. Um, we on our final episode of Football's Next Star. That was that was that training session, and um, I actually did an interview with Patrick Vieira, and it went on for quite a few minutes and. It had him saying that I'd done really well in training, and he said he was he was going to look out for me in the academy. So it was a little bit gutted when the show aired that that interview never came about. I think had it come about, it might have shown I was more likely to be the winner. So I understand why, from a TV purposes they they didn't do it. But um, it's something that I would like to remember and maybe hold on to this day. Like you said, my WhatsApp picture still me and Vieira. So I think one of the best sentiments ever, and I was I was lucky enough to to train with him.
2: Yeah, I mean to go back, I think it's seven thousand applicants.
3: Yeah. To, to it down was, to one, yeah, I think it was it might have been more. I thought it got into the tens, tens of thousands. It was around that. But um it was it was Ken Brooke that got me and I'm sure you have you've, you've seen Ken Brook about the uh, Kent FA and uh he, he got our team down and I was at the time was Alex Fisher was in the team, Tom Phipps in the team, uh Cole Dent was in the team and he just took us down to the the what was the first episode. We we had no idea what it was. We just got in this coach, thought it was a training session. Uh, got down there and suddenly there's cameras everywhere, there's a lot of football's next star signs. We didn't really buy into it because we were sort of just, there's a lot of random people with there as a team just having a laugh. And uh, I was lucky enough that a few of the coaches just spotted me. We were, we were only doing drills, like dribbling drills and passing drills and he spotted me and managed to put me through to the final game. Uh, I think Flish was in the final game as well. So it was me and Flish that sort of got through out the Kent FA lot. That's where Rednat was watching. and. I think it does just sum up how football can be that little bit of luck, because had I not had that luck to get into that game, then I'd, the whole Football's Next staffing doesn't happen at all. Or if I didn't have that luck to maybe have that a quite good game where Rednat was watching, then again the same same sort of thing wouldn't have happened. And I was lucky enough to play well in that game, and I was the one that got through on that day, and because of that, ended up going to the final fourteen things. And James Rednat was talking to me. And he, after that one little game that he saw, he gave me his number, he was ringing me. I was at Welling at the time, we were, we were having issues whether I was going to be playing for the first team because there was also a chance of going to Italy in, in two weeks' time. So, uh, and he was giving me a lot of advice on that, and I think it proves that something can just go from doing well for Kent FA and things like this, playing for Welling, to suddenly jumping up loads of steps just from that little bit of luck. If that one person's watching in football and you have a good game, then they can buy into you and, and take you from there.
0: Ben's now on loan at Tunbridge Angels from Dartford, and you can hear more of his chat at kentonline.co.uk. And in cricket, Kent will start next year's county championship with a trip to Lancashire. They're playing their first match of the season when the competition gets underway on the 12th of April, which also happens to be Easter Sunday. The rest of the fixtures out today show the Spitfires will get their T20 campaign underway when they travel to take on Sussex Sharks in May. And the one day cup begins against Essex Eagles at Chelmsford in July. that's it for now but don't forget you can go to kentonline.co.uk for more news throughout the day and overnight. News you can trust this is the Kent Online podcast.